Well, good morning. How are you? What a better way to start a service than thanking God for the great country that we live in, right? right. All right. And what a great way to start a service than going to our knees to the Master. So I want to ask you to stand, or if you want to get on your knees, you do just that. We're going to have a prayer time right now. You can either sit, stand, or go to your knees. I'm going to mine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we come today recognizing the fact that you're sovereign over us, over everything that we say or do. Therefore, Father, we recognize this morning because of that, that, uh, Lord, our lives should reflect the blessings that you give us each day. Lord, I'm praying here today, in this place, and in this service, that we experience you in ways we haven't in a very long time. Lord, I pray that we would hear directly and straight from you. I pray, Father, every song we sing, every word that we speak, every prayer that is offered, uh, Lord, and when the word is opened, Lord, may it all bring you glory and nothing to us because we don't deserve your glory and your grace. Lord, for those of us here this morning that need to do business with you today, oh God, I pray, We would do just that. For those of us here today struggling in our lives for whatever reason, maybe there's some problem that we're struggling with, some relationship that is off. Oh God, I pray that we'd not forget that Jesus died on a cross and he rose from a grave so that we may have access to your grace and your power and your joy and your love. And oh God, I pray today that everything we walked in here with, we'd set aside. And we'd clear our hearts and our minds to to hear exactly what you have in store for us. Oh God, I pray you'd move. Lord, not like, let this not be a routine thing. Let this not be a religious exercise today. But Father, let this, what we do here today, change us. Let us, when we leave today, be different than when we walked in. Because we spent time with you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, we need you today. We need you today, Father. Would you speak? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'd like to welcome everybody this morning. Uh, Thank you for coming. Our numbers might be few, but the faithful are here. And we just thank you for that. We thank you, too, that uh, the ones that are traveling, uh, that they will have safe journey and come back to us again next week. And we just ask you to help us to remember that. Uh, Just a note Um, The Dick Daughtry funeral will be today, 2 o'clock at Garrett Sykes in Ritz Square, if anybody needs to go to that. Um, 
the burial will be in Lasker. And also, the fundraiser for Lisa Fly is still going on. Uh, we're trying to raise as much money as we can to help her out. And that fundraiser will run until July the 14th. And I know Shelby has tickets today. I don't know if anybody else does or not. But I know Shelby has tickets, so if you haven't gotten yours yet, be sure to get some. Um, everything else is, appears to be in the bulletin, and I'm not going to go over all of that this morning in interest of time. If there's any babies that like to come forward for the uh, puppet message, I'd like for you to come on forward now, and we'll get ready to get started here. I know we got a few. I can see them.
Okay, well now that we've got the light, maybe we can see to do the rest of our service today. And we're going to start by singing God of Our Fathers.
Is this water for me up here? Nobody spit in it or drank of it or Pam, did you drink of this or anything like that? I'm telling you whether you like me or not. Is it? It's not spiked or anything like that, right? Huh? Okay, thanks. <laughs> well, good morning. I want to see smiles on your faces. Good morning. All right, you're in the house of the Lord to worship Him and to celebrate a whole lot of stuff besides the notwithstanding our freedom that we have in this great country of ours. I love our country, and I love the freedoms that God has given to us, not government. And so, uh, I'm, but I'm also thrilled to be here with you today to share something that Lord laid on my heart while I was in Lee, Massachusetts this week on a mission trip, and uh, on the bus ride home, the 13, 14-hour bus ride home, it hit me what I needed to share with you this morning. I like it when the Lord does that. But I found out since then that you guys have been in the same book I'm going to preach from. I had no idea. Your Sunday school lessons this morning, out of the same book that I, Lord's going to preach, uh, I'm going to use to preach on this morning. So evidently, he's got something for us. And so let's open our hearts and our ears to hear what maybe the Lord has to say. Nothing about what Terry has to say, but what Jesus has to say. Would you join me in prayer as we get started? Father, oh Lord, speak. I know I've already asked that today, Lord. But please, speak through your servant. To these sweet people, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, if you hadn't already figured that out. We're going to be uh, looking at Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. And, and keep in mind, it is to the church, not the unchurched, but rather the church. So that means these are people who... Uh, know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, those who have given their hearts and lives to Him, uh, who are following Him. And so these, this letter is written to one, from one who absolutely loves the church, and that is Paul. But more than that, it is from the Holy Spirit who absolutely loves the church. It's the church that is the Holy Spirit, God's institution that he designed for us to serve through, live through, and reach this world through is the church. And so he's writing to that church uh, and, and also to us as well because the principles found in this church, in this particular letter, can apply to us. Now, while Paul is writing to a very specific church and is addressing some issues that he heard about, and some of those issues that we are not told from Colossae, uh, uh, Colossians, excuse me, uh, that were going on, however, we can deduce from what we see in the letter of some of the things that we know were occurring there and sometimes also occurs in the, in the now, right here, in our own present day, 
And, and so things that we need to watch out for. And churches, I, I, I want to say right off the bat, I love the church. That includes you. I love you, Conway Baptist Church. And I love every one of our churches in the West Juwan Baptist Association. And it's my only desire that the churches in our association, including you, experience all that God has for you. Experience all the joy and the power and the boldness that He has for you as you serve Him and live for Him every day. Now, our common enemy would just rather you not experience that joy and that boldness. He would uh, like to uh, get in where he has a foothold that we allow him to have when things are not going well for us. He can do that in our own personal lives, but he can also do it in the corporate life of the church. And so I'm here today to, to remind you just who you are. You are the church of the living God, not the dead God. So therefore, it is our job to live our lives, as Paul will say in just a moment to this church, live our lives as though we know we serve the risen Savior and not one who's still dead. Boy, you guys need to wake up. Because this is really good. The context is, and Epaphras, friend of Paul's, evidently reported to him that there was some heresy going on. There were paganism going, there was paganism. Colossae, a very lucrative town, very rich town, had a, a products, imports, and exports that they had there and and they were on the, the Roman roads there. and they, I mean, they had a great uh, infrastructure to, to uh, buy and sell. And so they were very wealthy. And they had a pagan worship there. We had Greek philosophies going on all that were influencing the town and, and the government and the people and even some of the, the churches. And they had the Gnosticism going on. They had... Judaizers there in the church, by the way. There were Jewish Christians there as well as Gentile Christians in that church as well. And so even, and this is an important point to remember, even when a church has a spiritual leader within that church, if they're not careful, if they don't uh, stay focused on what it means to be the church of the living God, the enemy can get in and lead them astray. And that can happen to a church who has a pastor and a church who doesn't have a pastor. That's how it applies to us. And, and when, one, when a church is particularly, when a church is without a pastor, is one of the most vulnerable times in the life of that church. It's a time when, when all kinds of ideas, all kinds of things can sneak in and, and draw people away from the main thing. We begin to major on minor things rather than majoring on the major things. The minor things, when the, when the church of the living God is majoring and focused on the main thing, the minor things seem to work themselves out uh, somehow or the other. That's the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit in the living church of today. And so we find ourselves in a situation where there were all kinds of influences, false teachings, 
false philosophies and we're influencing people, causing some to doubt, causing some to wonder about this Christianity thing and wonder about this. People who are uh, relying more on their religion rather than on their relationship with Jesus Christ. Less on His Word and more on the words of man than the words of God. And so Paul heard of all of this and because of his love for that he said listen I got something I want to say I got something I want to say today that the Lord has laid on my heart and I don't know why but it's for you you may not get anything out of this today but I can tell you I'm going to get a lot out of it so he opens as he always does this book with an introduction of who he is and the servant, and, and talked about Timothy as well there. And I'm not going to read all of those passages of Scripture, but one of the, one of the key things that Paul always does, and, th- and here you can see and understand his compassion for this church. Because the very first thing after he introduces himself, he says to them, we always thank God, Whew. the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. I want you to know in my living room this morning on my couch with my wife, we were bowing our knees in thanksgiving for Conway Baptist Church and praying for you. Why? Because we thank God for you. As we do any other church in our association. But God was bringing me here today, so I was concentrating on you today. For we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, verse 4, and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, this gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit. <laughs> I love that. The gospel always bears fruit. And even if it may not be bearing fruit in your life and in the life of this great church, I'm telling you, it's still bearing fruit somewhere in the world. And you too and I can bear fruit if we'll just allow the Lord to live and move and thrive through us that we may. And if we'll turn our focus back to where it ought to be, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, we too will bear fruit. And the fruit he's talking about here is converts. There's other kinds of fruit. But here he's speaking of converts. And so he thanks them for that. And he talks about that. And then the very next thing he does. He introduces himself. He thanks God for them. And then he prays. Well, what a great way to start, isn't it? What a great way to start a service is to pray. (laughs) Go figure. Talk to the Lord. And he says, for this reason, also since the days we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. And I want you, Conway, to know I pray for you daily. Not just on the Sunday I'm coming to preach here that you've allowed me to come. I pray for you daily. You're one of our pastorless churches and I'm praying for you all the time. I bring your name up because I want God to to move here among you. And so we were asking, he goes on to say, Uh, without, Without stopping praying for you, we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Here it is in verse 10. So that 
you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Mm. If you discover in your life you're not fully pleasing the Lord or your life doesn't reflect a life that fully pleases Him, folks, you got to do something about that and you can, praise the Lord. You can turn that around. Uh, all you got to do is turn your heart and your mind back to Jesus and let Him cleanse you. He says, and uh, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience joyfully, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' uh, inheritance in the life. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that His light came into your darkness and pulled you out? Okay, aren't you glad that He's come into your darkness and pulled you out? Oh my goodness, the church of the living God ought to be shouting this one thing. If that's all you knew about what Jesus did for you, that would be enough for you to shout for all eternity what He's done for you, my friends. He's pulled you out of darkness when He saved your soul. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him, in Him, in Jesus. We have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Woo! Hmm. That's enough. I don't have time today to spend that I want to, but let's go. He introduces, he thanks God for him, he prays for him, and then he says, I want to remind you of something. Because when you lose, he's talking about the Christology of Jesus. When a church loses the centrality of Jesus, the Christology of Jesus in its presence, that's when you get in trouble. That's when the enemy can sink in. That's when the enemy can draw you away. And oh, you got to fight against this. You got to remember, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Did you hear that? He is before everything. He created everything, and everything is held together by Jesus. And not religion, and not us, and not our culture, and not the government, and not anything else other than Jesus Christ. When a church can get a hold of that, watch out what that church can do if it would do just that alone. He goes on and says in verse 17, he is before, uh, excuse me, in verse 18, he is also the head. Oh, here's another great, oh, I don't have time. He is also the head of the body, of the, uh, the body, the church. Is there any ambiguity there? Do you know who's in charge? Jesus is in charge. Keep that in mind. Right there. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Uh, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. 
and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. Oh, that's peace. That, that word is another word there. If you go back to Romans chapter 5, you've heard me preach about that. Remember justification and all that kind of stuff? Peace. This peace here means that the enmity between God and I, us has been removed because of Jesus, uh, what he did on the cross. His blood justified you and I. His blood gave us peace so that we wouldn't get what we really deserve, and that's his wrath. He gave us peace, not of God, but with God. Aren't you glad about that? Mm. Through the blood shed on the cross. And so once you were alienated and hostile in your mind, expressed in your evil action, but now he has reconciled you to, uh, by his physical body through his death to present you holy and faultless and blameless before him. Oh, my goodness. Can you think about that? When we come before God as believers in Jesus Christ, we are presented to him by Jesus, holy and blameless. And you know we're not holy. And you know we're not blameless. But because of the blood shed for you and I, when I stand before my maker, I look good to him because of Jesus Christ. Don't forget that. Don't let the enemy uh, steal your joy. Don't let the difficulties you might find yourself in in trying to find the right pastor or the diagnosis you might get or the relational problems you might have. Don't let them get you down. Remember that before God, because of Jesus, you are faultless. And you look good before him. He says... And uh, uh, he says in verse 20, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith. If you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And I, Paul, have become a servant. Then Paul talks in verses 24 through the end of the chapter about his own ministry. And the first part of chapter 2, he talks again. He struggles, talks about how he struggles for them. And then he says in uh, the latter part of what he says in verse 2, I want their hearts, that, that, that's mean his desire for them, to be um, encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches complete uh, of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery Christ in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, here we go. What Paul has done in this first chapter and a half, he's talked, he's introduced, he's thanked God for them, he's prayed for them, he's reminded who Jesus is, he talks about his ministry, and then here he addresses the, the heresy. And I know time is growing short, so let me get through this real quickly if I may. And one of these days, maybe I can come back and we can walk word for word, word, for word through this. He says, I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. I love this translation's translation of the original language. It's better right here. 
Because there's a lot of ideas and philosophy. Remember, there were Greek philosophies and there were Gnosticism going on and there was all kinds of pagan philosophies that were being preached and worshipped and celebrated in this town. And this church was a small church. It wasn't a, a big thing. It was a small church and it was being bombarded from every side. And he says, and some of those th- things that we hear in the world today sound reasonable to the human heart. And he says, I want you to be careful about that. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. Verse 6. So then just as you were received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted, there's that word again, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through the philosophy and empty deceit. Listen to this. Empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of this world, but rather than, rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. Do you realize what I just said? Do you realize what Paul just said? God's entire fullness was deposited in Jesus. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what happens? We receive full authority in Christ spiritually in our life. In other other words, God himself through the Holy Spirit lives in you. And all authority and all, all access to everything that he is and we're not is available to us. As a church of the living God. Satan has nothing on us if we don't let him have anything on us. But when we do, and when we try to find our answers in life anywhere other than the Word, we're in trouble. And that's what he's trying to remind them of. And then he goes on to tell them, verse 13, again, you were once, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive in him and forgave us our trespasses. He erased he erased the certificate of death, debt whew, and its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Whew, folks, look at me. He took your sin and mine and he nailed it to a tree. When you say, well, I heard you. You already said that, Terry. Yeah. And I might say it a thousand more times. Because it bears repeating. Because somehow or another, we forget it. And, we, and the reason I know that is because we live like we forget that sometimes. And then Paul reminds those. And he continues on. And, and so he finishes the explanation of kind of all of that. And he gets to verse 20. And listen to what he says in verse 20. If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? And he was talking about human regulations here. 
I don't have time to walk you through that. So what he's simply saying, listen, you died with Christ. Stop living like the world. Stop thinking like the world. Stop trying to figure things out as the world would. Start living for him daily. Start surrendering to him daily. And then let him guide you when you're trying to make up your mind in the morning what cereal to eat. You think that's kind of crazy. Silly. Total surrender means total surrender every day. Every decision we make is filtered through Jesus. Not only, I heard it in Sunday school, that was great. We, we should not only ask, what would Jesus do, folks? We should do what Jesus do, does. So that is only possible if God's people are surrendered daily to him. Boy, wouldn't it be cool if the church of the living God, the body of Christ, in the culture they live in every day, would make the decisions and allow those decisions they made through the uh, prism of the Holy Spirit change and guide them how our world would be different, how your community would be different, how you would be different. This place would be filled every time the doors are open because God's people are serious about being God's people. And then he says in chapter 3, and I'm going to conclude with this, if I may. He says, because of all of that, he says that there's a transition word in verse 1 of chapter 3. And that transition word is this. So. So. That's, this is the so what of all of this. He says, so. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What is Christ doing at the right hand of God? He's interceding for you and I. Folks, that's why we ought to seek the things above, not the things below. Seek the things above, not the things here. Seek the things above. And when we're seeking the things above, all the other stuff we deal with in life is palatable for us. In fact, when we seek the things above, the stuff we have to deal with here is nothing. Compared to the glory that will be ours one day. And that gives us that hope that we can't do without. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. And what is that? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is all idolatry. Because these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all the following anger wrath malor slander and filthy language from your mouth whoo my goodness my friends he says put all of that away put all of that away in private put all away the all of that away in public put all of that away on social media put all of that away at church put all of that away everywhere you are like uh, I heard one old lady say one time, excuse me, one more seasoned lady, <laughs> forgive me about that. 
If you can't say something sweet, shut your mouth. And that is very biblical. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator in Christ. There is no, not Greek or Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But in Christ, all. In Christ is all and in all. And here's some things you need to put on. Those things you need to put off, here's the things you need to put on. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you uh, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love. That's agape love, my friends, which is the perfect bond of unity. One of the things I see in so many Christians' lives today is disunity. Oh, I was st- I was so encouraged by the unity I saw in a recent Southern Baptist convention that I attended. The, the, the media and all kinds of folks said it was going to be horrible. Folks, I want, I'm here today. I was there. It was one of the best things I'd been to in a very long time. God was glorified. He was lifted up. Regardless of what anybody says, I was there. God was honored even in the difficult stuff. Made me so proud to be a Southern Baptist, warts and all. There was a few warts there. I might have been one of them. But they were there, but God was glorified and he was honored. He goes on to say, Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you to forgive above all. Put on love, which is a perf- perfect bond of unity, and let the peace, there's that peace again, of Christ to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishment one another, uh, one another through psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in the word or in deed, do everything in the name of, Je- of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through him. Then he goes on to talk about our home how wives should submit to their husbands. Husbands should submit to the Lord. Husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. Oh, my God, goodness, and children are to obey their parents. And he goes on and just uh, reminds everybody of their roles and how they are to relate and how he is, we as the church and the living body are to live our lives. Why would he say all of this? And again, I don't have time to complete all of this. There's so, so much that needs to be discussed there. And, and pondered there. But he says all of this to remind the church that you are loved. You're not only loved by the director of missions, but you're loved by God, and that's what matters. And he's got a plan for you. He's got a direction for you. He's got a person for you to come and lead you in this great effort that you make here in this community. But you must remember who you are and what you've been called to do. And you need to remember 
whose you are. And you need to remember what to not do and what to, to do. And remember that he died for you. And folks, today, right now, we're going to celebrate and practice practically what he did for us. So this morning, if God has spoken to your heart in any way, we want to give you the chance. Before we do this, I I know this may be a little unorthodox, but we're going to give you a chance to respond to, to the Lord. If there's any way in your heart and in your life that you need to get right with Him, if there's a relationship you need to fix, if there's a sin you need to confess, Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to find him today. Uh, The Bible tells us you shouldn't come to this table with unconfessed sin in your heart and life. You know what he says the consequences are of that? They are strict. I don't want to come to this table unless unless I'm straight in my heart. I'm right with Jesus and then whomever, if there's somebody else I'm wrong with, I need to get right with. Don't come unless you're ready, unless you're you're prepared. And so I want to give you a chance to do just that. Okay? Let's stand. Bow our heads real quickly. And let's sing. uh, I want the the musicians to play a a verse or two of an invitation song, whatever it is. I I don't care if it's uh, in heaven, heavenly love abiding, whatever it is. Just play. And uh, in fact, let me ask you a question. Can you play just as I am, ladies? Would you please play just as I am? As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looks. Lord, I pray today, your will be done. Lord, take us just as we are, because I know you will. Lord, we confess our sins to you, and Lord, I, I pray that you will work in our hearts and lives. And Lord, if there is anyone here who needs to come and, and make right uh, something in their lives, Lord, I pray you give them the courage to do just that right now. Oh, Lord, would you do that? Would you move? In Jesus' name I praise. Your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and they're playing this great, great song. You come just as you are before we receive his supper. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated just for a moment, please.
Every head bow. Uh, I mean, excuse me. Everyone seated, please. The Bible says that Jesus gathered the disciples in his upper room, and as in Luke, a version of it as well, and, and you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as well, and, uh, that to celebrate the, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And uh, Jesus took the bread, and he broke the bread, and he said to them, this represents, he didn't say this is, this represents, when he was saying, this is my body, he's talking about this represents my body that would be broken for you. Wow. And he said, every time we do this, I want you to remember what I'm saying here right now. And so that's what we're going to do here this morning. I'm going to ask the deacons to come forward, please. Bible says that he broke it and they prayed and they distributed. So Tom, I'm going to ask you to pray for the broken body and the bread of, of, for the Lord's Supper, please.
And the Bible says after they gave thanks, they ate together. He went on to say, after they ate together, he took the wine and he poured it and he said, This is my blood. Again, this represents my blood that will be spilled for you. Again, it's hard for me to fathom. Someone loved me enough to spill their blood for me, and yet Jesus did that for us. Bible says after he poured the wine he gave thanks for it. Linwood would you give thanks for the spilled blood of Christ?
the Bible said, once they prayed and gave thanks, they drank together. Now, the Bible also says that they left that upper room, but they did so in celebration. Okay? All right. Let's stand. We're going to sing page 386 in your hymn books. It's a little different. The family of God. You may know this. That's what you are. You're the family of God. Remember all the announcements and have a blessed day. This is our benediction. Let's sing the family of God. I'm so glad.